friends. Welcome to another episode of Off Mic, Off the Record. I'm your host, Aaron Bentley. Joining me this week, the pride of Montana. What are we going to say, Bozeman, Montana, or Livingston, or generally the same? You know, that's that's hard to say, because I have an album labeled from each, and I actually grew up in Belgrade. <laughs> All right. Mercedes Carroll, thank you for coming to visit. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. So you made a trek down to, to Fort Worth in the middle of a, we're going to call it a nomadic tour. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so I packed up, sold, sold most of my items and packed up what I wanted to keep in a 10 by 10 storage unit. And I'm living out of my car right now. Um, I started in (laughs) Northern Idaho and, uh, I actually got to go to Boise and play with the train robbers. Oh yes. Yeah. That was a good time. And, uh, did some in Phoenix with my friend, Aaron, Howard, and then um, made my way to Bisbee, okay. Arizona. Um, I was really fortunate to pick up a gig in Roswell with Charlie Stout. and Our opening, good friend, good friend Charlie. Yeah, yeah, and opening for uh, Will Bannister. And then I went to Lubbock on Monday and met Jerry Serrano and got to play the open mic there. Oh, that was really such fun. a special thing. I, uh, I know we've talked about... Um, I just said to you that I've been trying to stay on the wagon, but uh, I did try a burn shot. You, As you must, if you're at the blue light, you have to try the burn. And uh, I loved it. The pickle. The pickle, pickle burn. One. Okay. Pickle burn. No apple burners. I didn't do any apple burners. That, I imagine, would taste like apple pie or something. That's the scary part about it. Burn shots are... Oh, puppies are coming in. Oh, yeah. So there was oh, nice. <laughs> love it. So uh, we have two puppies today. So Agatha, who's always a part of this, and then you brought along Melody. I did, which thank you for having her as oh, well as me. <laughs> no worries. I like having the dogs here. Um, so the burn shots are an interesting thing. I have I have only been to Blue Light one time in my life, one time, and I feel so terrible about it. But there are plans to make other treks up there. But we used to have a location here uh, in DFW in Dallas that was Blue Light Dallas. And I got heavy into doing the pickle burns and the apple burns there because there's just something about that flavor, that little kick at the end. You're like, Ooh, Hey, okay. I know. I, well, it's super good. And I almost, I, I did want another one, but I knew I was like, this isn't like eating another pickle. This is like, this is dangerous. It's, it's got, it's, it comes with a warning label. <laughs> For those that have never had it or have never been to Blue Light, I highly suggest going. And I highly suggest going on a Monday night and checking out the open mic, singer-songwriter night. It is an experience that is meant to be had by everybody. Absolutely. Get your drink, sit down, shut up. Or stand <laughs> and shut up. It doesn't matter. Just don't talk over the music. So, yeah, you're you're uh, going to be playing. Well, this – so time's not linear when we record because we never win this drops. But you're going to be playing Magnolia Motor Lounge. I am, yeah. Tonight I'll uh, open for Eli Howard in The Greater Good. and then Excellent. Yes. And then Sunday the 12th um, I'm playing the songwriter night with Skylar Payne. Oh, Sky Payne. He's a good friend <laughs> of mine. Uh, very good friend of mine. Excellent songwriter, by the way. Awesome. Uh, songwriter, is it at the Mags also? Yes. So yeah. you're doing double duty at Mags. Yeah, back to back weekends. That's pretty interesting. Um, Getting my my uh, time in there before before I it ends. This, yeah, I hear there's a skyscraper going up. 
there's been rumors about that for like the last 10 years. It's like every year about this time of year, the rumor mill starts turning in. It's like, oh, Mags is done. They're going to put up something else. And slowly but surely over the years, that area went from just a couple bars and a couple restaurants to high rises. Uh, progress. Well, hopefully it stays a rumor for another 10 years. Unfortunately, the owner of the land has uh, sold and we have mm. definitive date. Oh, okay. uh, I want to say it's November 22nd, 2022 is the, no, is the official date. My hope is, and I don't have this confirmed by anybody there uh, on the south side of town. There's uh, a lot of growth over there. I'm hoping they reopen. That'd be cool. For those Maybe that don't. That's the plan. Just new location. I, I hope so. There's been a couple other uh, Fred's Burger joint down there and a couple of the places are reopening other words, other places, but. Magnolia Motor Lounge has been extremely special to this area for a long time because it is an extremely small venue. And when I say small venue, in Texas terms, people think of Billy Bob's because it's the biggest there is. And then we talk about, you know, kettle call style bars where there's a lot of music. This isn't that. This is a singer-songwriter bar first. What's the capacity in there? A couple hundred. Cool. Okay. And that's shoulder to shoulder. Okay. To go to the To go to the restrooms, you have to walk by the side of the stage. Because okay. they're like behind the stage. And when you go to the bathroom doors, it's directly across from the storage rack for like the drums and mic stands and everything. So, I mean, really cool setup. It's designed to stay small. I We've like had it. some, uh, when we did the radio show there, we had some very large crowds. Uh, we used to do, we had a residency there for Texas for Dirt Roads five years. And we would do like six uh, six six week stretches there. And there was one show I remember we had. Stony the Rue, Josh Abbott, somebody else, somebody else. And then the next weekend it was Cody Jinks, Larry Hooper. <laughs> and there were people at six o'clock the night before trying to camp out. Oh, wow. It's the culture that That's we talked culture. about. Absolutely. <laughs> the parking lot only has 20 spots. Oh, wow. Okay. So that'll tell you how small it is. Mm -hmm. The outdoor patio is the same size as the footprint inside. Oh, wow. Okay. I like it. I like the small stuff. I kind of told you that the intimate venues are more, more my favorite. I think, I think anybody who is a music nerd, that's what feels they, the same. Feels yeah. the same. I, I like, you're right. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to go to a big arena show when it's, that's all I can see a Stapleton, an Eric Church, a Reba, uh, whoever I'm going to go to. In fact, uh, my wife and I over this past summer went to go see Alanis Morissette at, I'm going to call it Starplex. It's our big outdoor venue here. It was Starplex, Coca-Cola Starplex in the 90s. I don't really know what the name of it is now. Maybe it's Jex, I mean, whatever. And it's a 30,000 capacity venue. And it's uh, it's an experience. But if I want to see Alanis Morissette, I'm going to have to go to a venue that size. Right, right. Well, and it is just a different experience for sure. Like it, it's the energy is much larger. Absolutely. It's huge. It's a, it's a symbiotic <laughs> relationship between angsty people, especially one of those shows. Cause <laughs> being that I'm in my forties, Alanis was at her heyday whenever I was a teenager. So everybody who was there dressed like it was the nineties. Awesome. You know, jackets tied around the waist. <laughs> Except yeah. for it was 112 outside and we were all pouring sweat. It didn't matter. It was great. But you're right. Uh, you talked about intimate shows and things like that. And we got on the topic of Braun Brothers Reunion, which is a festival in Chalice, correct? Is it yeah, Chalice? Chalice, Idaho. Chalice, Idaho. And you talked about how special that is because it's not even a 
it's more of a small size festival. It's not even a medium sized festival. Yeah, I think, well, we talked about how, uh, you know, I learned that it was a street dance first in Stanley and, you know, with flatbed trailer and like 30 to 50 people. And now it's a 3,500, um, you know, ticket sold camping adventure, but that's still really small because, uh, I went to a, well, you talked about, um, the Larry Joe Taylor Texas Music Festival, yes. The Larry Joe Taylor Texas Music Festival, and that was sixty thousand. Mm-hmm. And I went to a thirty thousand up in Whitefish, the um, Under the Big Sky Festival. Yes, and that was that's the biggest I've been to, and uh, it was a lot for me at first. You big, know, big festivals like that are a lot to take in because mm-hmm. there's but there's a culture there. Yeah. Um, I don't remember who it was. It might've been Josh Grider or Adam hood that was talking about it. Um, it goes back to like the deadheads, the traveling dead, how mm-hmm. they would go from festival to festival and event from event. And you have that, that subculture within a festival crowd. And you see a lot of that at bigger festivals like that, where it's a group of three or 400 strangers that know each other, mm-hmm. but they know each other because of the music. Yeah. I have a friend who uh, he's 84 and uh, he was a big deadhead, and he would tell me stories about, you know, one one time he he had pulled over. Um, I think it was it was probably in California, maybe. But uh, he he pulled over, put on the dead, and pretty soon in this like kind of parking lot area, pretty soon like people were pulling over and hanging out, and like it was like, you know, the deadheads just like came out of the woods. And pretty soon there was this group, you know, hanging out and, and blasting, you know, the dead on the yeah. radio and dancing and hula hooping and, you know, whatever. But um, there is a yeah, it's a it's a culture. Music is funny that way. It brings people together. It's it's a commonality that it doesn't matter what your background is. All that kind of disappears whenever you're at an event like that. And I think that's the cool that it's the binding driving force. Because it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is or your religious beliefs. If you're there to see the same artist, that's what you're there to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and I remember when I first started going to Braun Brothers, you know, I mean, I talked to people about that all the time. I was like, it's the feeling that's there. It's the people that's there. You're like a family, the entire yes. thing. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's a good thing. I, I want to go see Reckless Kelly and Mickey and the Motor Cars on a flatbed trailer, though. I think that would be the, the way to see it. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to. Cool. Well, we're, they. Oh, sorry to interrupt you. No, but go ahead. I mean, Chalice built a stage just for it um, as it grew over the years. I've seen video of it and the, and the environment looks beautiful. The mountains behind it and the terrain is just this big, open, vast space. I mean, I definitely want to go. It's on our bucket list. We've got friends that we go to different festivals with that have been there multiple times, and they tell us, no, you need to go. Yeah, come this next summer. (laughs) I'll try. (laughs) Okay. So my wife and I both have day jobs, and majority of our vacations for the last 12 years have been a festival of some sort. And we've already got two festivals booked for next year. Uh, We're doing Mile Zero and Key West. I'll be there. Oh, are you? Like in January? Yeah. Yes, I will be there. Let's hang out. Is it your first one? No, I went, um, you know, when they switched it to April and May yeah. uh, this last spring, I went down there for that. That was that was our first one. And uh, it was, so you were there already. Yes. Oh, man, I missed you. That's all good. It's all good. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, I'm I'm cruising down there. Uh, so after the new year, I'm going to go through the deep south, New Orleans. Um, I have a friend in Birmingham. I really want to try to make it to Muscle Shoals. Oh, and then yeah. I'm doing that, you know, drive down Florida, down the Gulf Coast and, and that ocean highway. And uh, I lucked into a... Um, a friend of mine that I, I've known up in Montana through, uh, you know, different musical events, he rents a house down there for a few months out of the year. And he's in his um, late 60s, and so he needs a housekeeper because he has guests come every weekend, and he needs someone to help flip the house and, you know, oh. wash linens, vacuum, keep the fridge stocked. And he told me if I'm interested, I can come down and do that and, and have a place to stay and play gigs. And how perfect is that? Oh man, I, I feel incredibly blessed and, uh, I'm really looking forward to it, but that's why I'm going down there. And, and he starts renting February 1st. So, you know, the festivals that week right before. So that's amazing. So we will be driving as well. Okay. We've never, never driven to Florida. The furthest we've gone is from here to probably uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama. So okay. not even really halfway. And uh, we decided with, uh, I'm going to be doing some podcast episodes while I'm there with the amount it would cost to fly my gear down there is like four times what it'll cost to drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we were like, I want to drive Ocean Highway one time. Because everyone that I've talked to, Kim Bryan, everyone else has told me, you you have to do it one time in your life. After that, it's kind of like an annoyance, but we want to make that drive. So we've scheduled a couple days ahead of time and after to make that drive because it's 26 hours from here to there. So yeah, (laughs) we're not driving it straight through. We're we're going to to make a couple stops. But there is an artist that I found online in Lakeland, Florida or someplace like that, that we're going to stop and interview on the way down there. Oh, great. Okay. Well, and please call me because maybe we can caravan on that crazy. I hear that highway can be kind of trippy. That's what I've heard too. (laughs) My wife also does not like bridges. Oh, okay. Not like phobia, but she just is like, I don't like bridges. Okay. I get it. So I will be driving that leg for sure. Yeah. <laughs> See, commonalities that you discover by talking about I it. I know. It's cool. I'm excited. What was your thoughts? Was that your first year at Key West? It was my first year. Um, I absolutely loved it. I um, So I know Judy Dickerson mm-hmm. from uh, working at Braun Brothers. So my story with that is uh, I went to Braun Brothers in college, and I went for a few years and then I moved back home to Montana. I went to college in Idaho. And were you uh, a vandal? I was a van- I am a vandal. Hey, okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and so I didn't make it down for a few years, and so dumb. I can't believe I missed it. But when I started going back in twenty, I think it was seventeen. It was like you know that fire reignited and I couldn't not go. Absolutely. And, um, a friend of mine, Josh Owen introduced me to, um, Katie, Gary or not Gary's wife, um, Cody's wife. Mm -hmm. And she asked if I wanted to volunteer and then put me in touch with Judy. And, and so I've been, um, well, volunteering, working, they, they trade me a pass to the festival. Yes. Which is awesome. Um, so I have a really great friend, Mandy, that um, Connolly that I work with, 
You know Mandy. I do. She is uh, she is the logo guru yes. and website guru, MandyPantsDesigns.com. Yes, she is. Thanks for plugging that. And I don't remember the name of the, of the uh, promotions company, or I would say that too. Uh, VIP Productions. VIP Productions. Yeah. Um, she, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, she's, she's a jack of all trades, or Jill of all trades. She really is. She really is. She keeps me in line as well. <laughs> and, yes. uh yeah, so she um she'll save me a camping spot and then wow. I'll help yeah, I'll help work the gate and uh, anyway, so I knew Judy through that and I had talked to her about coming and working at Mile 0 uh the previous year, but it's expensive to get there as you Very know. Very expensive. Yeah, and to stay there. And Mandy, me and my friend Chandler Huntley actually lucked into this Airbnb because, you know, all the prices were super low because of the pandemic. Yes. And so I just booked it because I thought, well, I can cancel it and, you know, I'll just pay attention to the cancel date if we decide not to go. Right. And because we did go, we ended up staying in this awesome two bedroom, one bath, um, like house on Duval Street, off Duval, right? A block off. Wow. Yeah. And and I think with the three of us splitting it, we averaged less than a hundred a night. And that's insane. Oh, it was just the luckiest, most serendipitous thing. It was like, we're meant to go to this. Yes. <laughs> so ah, we stay down by Southernmost. There is a, a, so there's a group of like 25 of us that go 24, 25 of us that we talked about those clicks that go together. To, yeah. We go, we're all the same group that goes to festivals. We'll go mm-hmm. to Abilene for a festival or wherever. And we all go to this event. Uh, we go to Key West. This is like I said, this is my wife and I's first year to go or, this coming year will be the second year, and uh, we all have these row of condos that are kind of together, but they're down by Southernmost Beach. So it's cool. We get to walk over to the beach for the concerts and all that, but we have to golf cart it over to the amp amphitheater. Oh, yeah. Eh. eh, why not? That's fun. That's a blast. <laughs> yeah, we, we get the big limo. We get two golf carts. We'll have the limo golf cart, and then we'll have like two awesome. sink, you know, and we just pile up and we go. But I mean. For those that don't know, Key West isn't super big, so we we can walk to Duval Street, mm-hmm. um, ten minutes. We rented bikes too, and that was huge. That you was fun. You don't want to see me on a bicycle after <laughs> a bottle of something. That's true. That's true. It did. Uh, it did inspire behavior. Uh, good behavior. <laughs> ah, there you go. It's not keeping you on the wagon. It's keeping you on the bike. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Uh, and the culture down there is so different because it's island and island people, they move a little bit slower, not in a negative way. They're oh, just yeah. not in a rush. It's island time. You're island on island time. time. Mm-hmm. I love island time. Me too. I wish I could afford to live on island time. Oh man. Same. We priced houses while we were down there just because, you know, everybody has that pipe dream. Oh yeah. Probably about the size house y'all stayed in 1.6. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I have a, a friend uh, that I visited in Lubbock, Lawanda. And she told me that there's like books actually written on how to retire in Key West because basically you have to double what you would save for retirement to retire in Key West. Wow. Okay. I don't. I definitely can't do that. <laughs> My 401k is not that strong. <laughs> What's a 401k? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what is a 401k? I really have no idea what it is. I've just been dumping money into it for the last 15 years. Uh, and by dumping money, I mean like a dollar here and there. Oh man. Yeah. 401k. <laughs> okay. So what a lot of people don't, and I've got into this with a couple of other artists before don't understand is in the music industry, 
because it is such a very personal self driven, uh, there's not retirement plans. There's not company match 401ks. There's not medical insurance. There's not health. You know, you can't get vision insurance. You, you gotta do it yourself. You gotta do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you're going full bore cause you sold your home. Yes. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I've been, uh, Funding my own health insurance for about four years now, and uh, it is pretty cheap. I do have a uh, Roth IRA. Okay. I mean, I'm I've made a few steps, but uh, it you know when the throwing a dollar in is is maybe like every six months. Okay. No, I get it. I get it. 100%. I got to figure that out a little bit more. All good. <laughs> So not only with, like you said, doing an IRA yourself or, or um, the medical insurance, you also have funded your own first two albums, correct? Uh, well, I actually did a Kickstarter uh, yeah, in 2019, okay. and I had um, some very gracious sponsors in that as well. Awesome. And so, yeah, we raised, gosh, I think something around $17,000. and That's impressive. Thank you. Yeah, I was I was very um very moved and we made the albums. We used um all local musicians on the records Good. and um they're all still friends today and um and then we did the whole um merch gambit. So t-shirts, hats, um stickers, vinyl which if you like vinyl, I have one of those for you today. Bingo, you you said you said the magic word <laughs> I, for me. I saw your eyes light up. Bing. Yes. <laughs> I am a vinyl collector and listener. I'm not just a collector. I listen on vinyl. It's so nice. I you know, packing up for this trip, I uh, I left all my vinyl at my mom's house. Which I don't have a crazy amount. But saying goodbye to them was That's like, tough. I'm, I'm really going to miss you, Vinyl. <laughs> I really, so when I was a kid growing up, my dad had this massive vinyl collection. And everything from the Moody Blues, Guy Clark, to Stevie Ray, to Stevie wow. Nicks, to everything. So the good stuff. And mm-hmm. he had this awesome turntable with this great setup and this, you know, the dad set up in the eighties, you know, tower speakers, all this. Well, now I just had this little electro home tubed, uh, setup that I Ooh, use. It's tubed. It is tubed. So it has Ooh. to warm up. You turn it on and you, it's the, um, turntable is tubed, but the rest of it is digital. It's kind of a weird thing, but the way it's, it sounds, you get the true tubed lo-fi um, sound. It's ah, amazing. amazing. We're going to listen after this, yeah, we're 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 gonna throw on the uh, Jason Isbell live from the Ryman and listen to Ooh. him and some Amanda Shires, and you're gonna be like, oh, it's yes, amazing. Please, yeah. And another one that I got that I listened to on vinyl is Adele Twenty One on vinyl. Oh, I bet that was <sighs> insane. And then we'll then we'll throw on some. Uh, I'm trying to think of the most random album I have in there. <laughs> Redheaded Stranger, and then that keeps coming up in my world. Redheaded Stranger does? Yeah, yeah. Charlie and I were talking about it, and um, I haven't done it yet, but I want to rent the movie. I haven't seen it. Do it. I will. It's very slow. <laughs> but So don't be tired. Don't be tired, but do it. The Redheaded Stranger, because it's uh, it's hard to describe. It's worth watching. Cool. 
it's definitely worth watching. Uh, yeah, vinyl's where it's all at. I'm I'm a I'm a sucker for a good album on vinyl and the sound. <clears throat> I actually have some of my mother's original pressings of Fleetwood Mac. I have her original Yellow, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Elton John, like hers that she had when she was a teenager. Wow. Wow. The stone, sticky fingers, things like that. And so every once in a while, they come out of the dust jacket. I'm very, very gentle with them. Put them on there. Mm-hmm. All right, let's just listen. Okay, you need to go back up. <laughs> I would say the ones that out of mine that I've listened to the most, I have this uh, Lawrence Welk record uh-huh. uh, from my grandma, and it had um, an instrumental of Save the Last Dance on it. And um, I just was really obsessed with that song. And then I heard Emmy Lou do it, and uh, which inspired me to learn it finally. But uh, So I've listened to that one. Also, Dean Martin. Um, gosh, I can't think of the title of it. But it has Welcome to My World on it. Yeah. And you mentioned um, the Ryman. I got to go to the Ryman for the first time for Americana Fest back in September. Yes. And? and oh, insane. Who was I mean, there? Well, I just did the self-guided tour. Okay. I did not, Same for us. We didn't get to see anybody play. Yeah. The night that we toured, it was supposed to be uh, Ray Wiley opening for Cadillac 3. And it was oh. sold out. Oh, yeah, I'm kind of kicking myself, but we were just so jam-packed. Mandy and I went together, and we saw, we counted it up. It was like 33 shows, like six panels, and four, two, two or four tours or something like that. So by the time we got home, we were just dead. Oh, and, you know, we like crammed in as much as we could, but... Um, but to tour the Ryman and, and to have time to walk through it and... You know, just check stuff out. That was... To you get your picture on really the stage? Cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody does that. Yeah. And I think Graham Parsons' Super Jumbo that Emmy Lou got when he passed away, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure sits in the Ryman. I think so. And it looks just like this. I'm fairly certain you are correct. But with uh, Mother of Pearl and Lane, in the yes. Dash Bridge. Yes, it does. Yeah. I was trying to think about it. So it's on the back wall whenever you're going around. It is. It, mm-hmm. and, it, the, and the reason I know is because when I bought this, I was like, I can't believe you bought this guitar. I had buyer's guilt for quite a while. I was like, yes. I can't believe you did this. Da, 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 da. And then one day I sat down and I, I really like Grant Parsons and Emmylou. And um, I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> and if you don't, you should. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I was reading through this uh, book that I had of her, and I flipped to the page talking about that guitar after I had bought this. And I was like, "Weird! It's one of those. It's one of those uh, cosmic, supernormal, supernatural things." It's, it's, a, it's a sign. It's meant to be. <laughs> um, Emmy Lou, I've got. I couldn't tell you how many vinyls I have of hers, and I'm trying to think which my favorite one, which is the one that has uh, Red Dirt Girl on it. I think it's Red Dirt Girl. Is it self-titled mm-hmm. or a titled Red Dirt Girl? Mm-hmm. That whole album is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's just because she had uh, the cast of characters that played on it with her, but the writing on that is ridiculous. And I think, well, didn't she write most of it? Almost all of it. And yeah. did the arrangements yeah. too. Yeah. She's a genius. Yes. She's a genius. Like actual genius. <laughs> yeah. And... uh so one of my favorite records of hers is Luxury Liner. Have you listened to that one? I actually may have that one, and I may not have played it yet. Ooh, we might have to put that one on okay. the record player, too. Luxury Liner is a Graham Parsons song. 
Okay. But uh, but yeah, it's just just something about you'll you'll hear the crazy like how that song is put together. The like I don't even you'll see. You'll okay. See. I'm not even gonna try to describe it. <laughs> Understood completely. So I, when I was listening to your stuff the first time, I was really trying to, and I hate to label what a name of uh, a genre you try and play in or inspirations. I don't. Those are tired questions, but I took a lot of, you have a lot of a fun balance between uh, Western culture and maybe some spookiness in there. So I could tell you were a little bit of an Emmy Lou fan, maybe a touch of Lucinda. I couldn't tell the Grand Parsons now makes perfect sense now that you say that. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. And I think you were talking right before this off the first album, you wanted to do Sagebrush. Oh yeah. Yeah. We can do that one. So let's talk about it real quick. Yeah. Um, so that song probably pulls the most, um, imagery of Montana for me, um, with talking about, you know, the river and the fields and, yes. and, and, uh, I actually grew up with a big hunting family. Okay. So I never, I never ended up getting into it. I always played sports and then, um, and then started taking up music. But I do enjoy shooting clays and yeah. and uh, going on hunts. I've been on a couple deer hunts and bird hunts. Um, actually, some the bird hunting story with Melody is kind of funny. Um, okay, tell it. So I went with my little brother. She was two-ish, and I thought this is going to be great. She'll get a run through the fields. We'll you know get some birds, and it'll be you know a great day for Levi and I to hang out for sure. So we get all, you know, in our in our gear and head out and we're walking for a while before we see anything and having a great time. She's sprinting through all the brush and you know, it's it's it was wonderful. Living well, her best life. Living her best life. Well, we come up on some birds and you know, they take off off the water. They were they were on this um little pond and and I'm watching them fly and, and, you know, I knew what was going to happen, but I, I remember just being so like captured and, and being like, wow, beautiful, you know, <laughs> my brother pulls up his gun and <laughs> shoots him out. And, and, uh, I, I was laughing and crying at the same time. I was a bit hysterical and my little brother is seven years younger than me. So I'm sure he's like. What the, what the is hell is this going on? Who are you? And, uh, and I said, I'm sorry. I didn't think I was going to cry, but I like, you know, this is, he's like, Sadie, ah. <laughs> needless to say, we have not gone bird hunting again. <laughs> okay. I get it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but you know, uh, I pulled a lot from growing up in Montana and also the the fact of falling in love and and another kind of cool thing about this song is I wrote it and I had a a girlfriend who is is a bird hunter and she met a, a guy that she really um, fell for and he kind of turned out to to suck and I had played her this song um, I had written it before he he you know before they broke up but played it to her after they broke up and it was and i told her it was just okay. a weird another one of those things that music does right where it yeah. kind of like is like hey this might be going on excellent but, yeah 
Well, let's hear it. Okay. said come take my hand let me set the pace I know where we're going and I know we won't be late blooms of the spring don't rush a summer's day and now the trees lose their leaves to winter's cold hang well, we braved the early morning, braced the cold ride to hold with hesitation, difference in your eyes. As the north wind in the sage, you ruffle my feathers, fearing to fly to the southern. Skies. Remington loaded the brass flushed field. I came down hard. I guess I always will. Beneath the willows Sang among the brush Sold secrets by the river No one else could touch Oh, we waited stream streaming Carved our name into pine Smokeless powder I believed I could breathe as if for the first time Well, we braved the early morning Braced the cold ride Took hold with hesitation Difference in your eyes As the north wind in the sage You ruffle my feathers Remington loaded the brass flushed field I came down hard I guess I always will
revealed I came down hard I guess I always will I came down hard I guess I always will Oh, I came down hard I guess I always I always will. Wow. <laughs> Seriously good writing there. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was in that field and I could tell the landscape in the story. You delivered a perfect picture of that. Thank you so much. Man. Ooh. Ah, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's uh, you're right. I can definitely see how that sharing that story in song form with your friend could definitely have had yeah a huge impact. Yeah, it's funny how we were frozen in time when we listen to songs or how when we write them, how a creative person's able to capture that empathetic moment and be able to deliver it to a mass of people, and they all get to interpret a certain way. I don't know. I just went super philosophical there. Well, but it can, no, I, that's awesome. And, and how, uh, it can, you know, say we all have six strings to our heart, maybe, you know, one, that song will hit one string for one person, but another string yeah. for another. And either way it's hitting a string or a memory or a feeling or a past, you know, experience. Absolutely. And, and uh, Man. it can get you. <laughs> yeah, it can. Um, that's off the, she's pretty volume one. Correct. Yes. All right. Just making sure I said that right because I said <laughs> that just having access to the upper right hand corner of my brain going, is that what it was? Because I didn't have that on the notes and I was like making sure I had it correct. Uh, so, second album, and you said you did do crowdsourcing and funding for that, which is super cool. I think that's one of the greatest inventions we ever came up with was crowdsourcing and oh, crowdfunding. Yeah. Was whoever had that idea, thank you. Mm-hmm. It serves its purpose. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's a lot of flavor in those songs. Um, and we'll kind of touch back on that. So you said the house that you sold was a older home. Mm-hmm. So tell me about it. You said about a hundred year old. Yeah. Yeah. It was built in, uh, I think 1910. Okay. Something like that. So a little over a hundred years. <sighs> yeah. Yes. 111 years. I told you I grew up in my, with my grandmother's <clears throat> grandparents house. That was a, probably about that same age range and a lot of character, a lot of development in those houses. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have any paranormal, unexplainable things happen there? You know. Do you subscribe to that theory? Hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to, th- you know, that house was really full of light. Um, it like truly, it felt very, it was very good, very right. um, inspiring. And, uh, and so I did have. You know, I did have this one moment um, where I thought, like, you know, I saw something out of the corner of my eye, and it scared me. But you know, you never know. I don't know. Sometimes, like, I'm like, is it my mind? Yeah. Is it my mind? Was I drinking? What? What? You know. 
But I also think that, you know, when you get goosebumps and you feel these like weird energies, you can, there's, you know, something, something. Yeah. Yeah. And that house in particular, it, it wasn't one of those, but, um, but man, I got to tell you about the Townsend mansion. Okay. Uh, by Canyon Ferry Lake. Let's do this. That was something that was kind of nuts. Um, so I used to play in a band called Drink Me Pretty. Um, Love that name, by the way. <laughs> thanks. It uh, after we moved, or after I moved back to Bozeman area, I met um, uh, Ben and Isaac, and we started the band. and And uh, one night we were all out, you know, having a fun night. And and Isaac says, "Man, you're gonna have to drink me pretty tonight." And we all go, "Band name?" <laughs> That's it. And uh, anyway, we played in that band for a few years, and and I'm really grateful for those guys because, you know, we we did the whole thing, like went to the businesses, asked if we could play, like drove around, carpooled around, went in, can we play here? Can we do this? You know, and it's such a cool time to reflect on because you know when when you first are starting out, I think. I don't know, just the piss and vinegar is, is, is high and, yeah. and maybe the skill set isn't as it's not on <laughs> developed. Par. Yeah. Yeah. I get <laughs> And we had a ton of fun, but, uh, we, we played this place called the desert rose in Belgrade. And unfortunately it's closed. Uh, it closed down a couple years ago, a few years ago, but we would play there every month and there was a chef there and his name is Matt. And he um, approached us every time we played. He'd say, hey, I bought the Townsend Mansion. Um, there's a bunch of trails out there. You guys should come hike. You should stay the night. Um, well, we're going to do like music out there and have this whole thing. And we're like, cool, you know, this sounds great. Like, let's figure out a day, you know. And we didn't for the longest time. We just like couldn't seem to nail down a day. And, uh, and then my friend that I told you about earlier, the 84 year old deadhead, yeah. his name, his name is Yeti. He goes by Yeti. Okay. And he's actually played a big role in, um, learning sound equipment and recording. Yeah. But, uh, he, he, he used to hang out at the desert rose and we became great friends through that. That's actually where I met him. Okay. And he said, uh, you know, you got to go out there. It's so cool. Like I've hiked the trails. We stayed the night, you know, and it was amazing. And so I'm like, oh, okay, so this is a legit thing. Like we should plan a day. So I finally nailed down a day with Matt and Ben and Isaac and I go out there and uh, no, no one's there. Like we had a day, a time. And no one's We there. talked about it the day before. No one was there. So the, and the front door is kind of cracked open. So uh, that's how, that's how serial killer movies start. Uh, yeah. Right. I'm glad that we were all together. Don't separate. <laughs> don't separate. Stay together. And I really, truly was like, don't separate. Did you get the willies? A little bit of oh, the. Oh man. So we ended up walking inside and calling for Matt, you know, Hey, there was no furniture in the entire mansion. And there was like a calendar on the kitchen counter with like events and stuff, but that was pretty much it. And maybe like some dishes and of course, curiosity like killed us all. So we walked through the entire 
place. You went up the stairs, didn't you? You went up the stairs. Man, there was some weird, the energy in there was so freaky. And it was a, it's a super old mansion. I think it was built in the uh, 1800s, maybe. I'd have to double check that. I haven't looked at it for a long time because this was gosh, eight years ago or something. That's okay. We're not fact-based on this podcast. We're very much on, hey, this is what I think. We'll check the facts later. Cool. <laughs> good, good. But uh, anyway, they're, you know, old house where it's, it ha- it was the governor's house okay. at one point. Okay. It had placards to like, here's the child's playroom. Here's, you know, here's the nursery. Here's the master bedroom. Here's um, the nanny room. Here's, you know, and then you walk into this um, kind of parlor room with a fireplace and there was this painting of like this little girl up above the fireplace. And I'm just like total, I've totally got the heebie jeebies at this point. Please tell me the painting moved. Um, it didn't <sighs> probably could have, uh, Okay, this is the plot's thickening. All right, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a very long winded no, no, storyteller. No. I love it. <laughs> okay. Let's keep going. I'm here for this. <laughs> okay. Should have poured a stronger drink. <laughs> We got to get that Willits bourbon. You got to try it. It's Willits so good. bourbon. We'll get there in a second. Willits. <laughs> but uh, so then um, we get down to the basement and there's just piles of clothes, um, stuffed animals, uh, like just piles all over the basement. Some like beds made. And when I say beds made, I mean like a blanket on a concrete floor with stuffed animals as pillows. Mm, okay. So stuff's like clearly going on. There's some kind of like probably some drug thing going on where he sold off everything in the place. Like, you know, had I'd heard that maybe he'd had some raves out there. There was just like stuff's kind of adding up super creepy. We finally exit out this like cellar door and there's a church on the property. So we go walk over to the church. I mean, we're just like asking for, (laughs) for trouble. And, you know, we went in the church, same, same story, like completely vacant, not even pews in the church. We go down to the basement. There's a concrete bed made in the basement with stuffed animals and and blankets. And we're just like, what is going on? And I tried calling Matt a couple times. Of course, no answer. We leave and go to the diner in Townsend. And I'm just sitting there like, that was so creepy. That was so weird. That was like, what did we just experience? And our waitress comes up and I say, hey, do you know what's going on with with the Townsend Mansion right now? And she goes, oh, that place is haunted. And we're like, okay, well, we were just there and nothing, you know, happened or anything. And she's like, oh, she's like, well, that's good. She's like, a lot of people have lived there and cups will just start flying out of cupboards and like hit people in the head. And she said, sometimes when you hang out up in the banister um, near like the nursery, you'll hear a little girl playing piano. Mm. And yeah. Okay. Right. And it used to be a museum. Oh, that's even. mm. Right. It went through all these things. It was like, it was the governor's house who committed suicide on the front lawn, by the way. And yeah. And so it was the governor's house. It was a museum. Um, he tried to turn it into this music venue. It's now a wedding venue. Hold on. So now <laughs> we have a haunted wedding venue. I'm subscribing to this. I want to go. Yeah, you should look up look up the history of the Townsend Mansion if you have time. Done. But Will happen. It was. Ugh, we're like we are never going back there. But every time I drive by that now, you know, I'm like, 
<laughs> Looking to see if there's somebody in the upstairs That's window. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So you guys were starting the plot of a good B-rated movie. Um, I'm, then, su- I'm surprised there was no guys running around with chainsaws or somebody. Oh, man. You need to leave. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I, I want to go. I'm uh, I'm very fascinated with the paranormal. I've ever, I've only ever had two experiences that were unexplained. I'm not going to say a scene to ghost, but there's a couple unexplained things. But I like visiting places like that. Yeah, we went to haunted towns. Yeah, and- we went to the Minger down in San Antonio, which is like the oldest hotel there, right next to the Alamo. Like to say we had something happen, but nothing happened. But I was like, oh, well, there's the Roosevelt room. That's where Teddy Roosevelt used to come to recruit his Rough Riders and all that kind of stuff. Never mm-hmm. saw anything, but I, I, I like to. I don't know how I would truly respond if I ever really came across something. Probably turn and run. Big guy, but I'm not that big of a guy. You know what I mean? And uh, when we're scared, we can move. I can move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would not be the. I would not be the charging towards the thing. I'd be like, nope, bye. But I want to. I want to see it. I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Thank you for sharing that story. That's. Wow. And then, and then you and tied it up nicely with the bow at the end with the waitress going, oh, that place is haunted. You, you no. Yeah, right. I'm surprised nothing happened. I was waiting for it. But I also, uh, when I'm in places like that, oh, Aggie really wants Mel to play. Oh, I, I can. Like I said, she doesn't always have friends over, but they seem they hit it off very well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was waiting for it. But when I'm in places like that, I like, I seriously am like praying the whole time. I'm like, please nothing. Please go away. Please but go then, away. <laughs> but then you, I mean, you did go looking for stuff. It's true. My curiosity does kill me sometimes. I mean, it doesn't kill me. Obviously I'm still here. You're still but. here, but <laughs> the curiosity gets the best of you. Yeah. <laughs> you also told me that you have an interesting, uh, life story that you worked at a biomed company. I did that. I did. Um, Tell me more. Well, at university of uh, Idaho, I got a degree in biology with emphasis in human anatomy and physiology. Cause I had a, uh, I had ideas. I was going to go on to physical therapy school mm-hmm. and uh, I even did like, I took the GRE and filled out applications and I was midway through like my second application or something. And I was just, I was at my mom's house and I said, mom, I just don't even want to do this. Like, it's just, I don't, I just need to like not be in school for a while, you know? And uh, she's like, well then don't, don't worry about it, you know? And I ended up getting this job uh, like three blocks from her house and it, at the time, they were called Bactrin International Holdings. They're okay. called Extant Medical now. Um, Can't but, say that I'm familiar, but I, I get what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so to kind of give you an idea, when when you pass and you're a donor, you know your your vital organs are harvested first. Correct. Kidneys, all that. Um, liver, not liver. Um, heart. Heart, uh, eyes, uh, skin samples. Uh, yeah, so you know. A uh, bit. My dad, my my dad passed uh, twelve, eleven years ago. He um, he made sure he was on the donor list and everything. Cool. Unfortunately, they weren't able to harvest a lot because he had a, a pretty crazy form of cancer that was mm. that metastasized everywhere. So there was Sorry. only a little bit of stuff. Oh, thank you. I'm just glad the fight was over. But so. He went to UNT University of North Texas Medical Science Center here, and they did a lot of that. So. Oh wow! Okay, so, so you know, I'm, a lot. you're I'm familiar with, you. with this I'm stuff. Yeah, very much. I had to do that phone call. 
I had to do the phone call right afterwards when he did pass after being in hospice where I had to have the very lengthy conversation with the technician over the phone about, is it okay for this? Tell me about your dad's medical issue. Well, you know, going yeah. down that whole road of things. So, Oh, that's not fun with the circumstance. Yeah. But, uh, so then after vital organs, you know, um, bones, mm-hmm. the long bones, um, and generally your, your hip bones, ilium and, uh, um, and some tendons are are processed, and they were sent to the biomed company that I worked at. Know all about that. I have a few of those in my body. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my Achilles, my uh, elbow. Oh, really? Oh, I see. You've had replacements. Okay, awesome. And how are they feeling? 10 for 10. Perfect. Awesome. That's good to hear. I beat my body up a lot through high school and college with sports and whatnot, mm-hmm. mainly tennis. Sports? Okay, cool. A lot thinner back then. <laughs> Stop. But that's where the elbow, because like I seriously thrashed my elbow because tennis elbow is real. Tennis elbow is real because mm-hmm. I uh, hit a tennis racket left-handed. I batted right-handed, so it was always this elbow did all the work. So it for years, and then I lived off the shot for about ten years. Okay. And okay. the doctor finally goes, there's nothing for just replace it. <laughs> yeah. And well, there was nothing to put the shot in the last time I went in. Oh, gotcha. The tendon okay. was just, and you, since you know, biology, it was like gray and just completely atrophied and completely atrophied. There was nothing mm-hmm. there. It was wake up in the morning, 45 minutes before I could do that. Yeah. The doctor was like, mm, no, you don't want to live like that. And now look at you. You're just I can do everything. coffee, elbow everywhere. But I write right handed now. Figure that one out. <laughs> I do. I write right handed, awesome. but play guitar left. Still, a lot of those habits. Like I still, I still throw a baseball. I still swing a tennis racket. But because I went so many months in a cast, I learned how to write right handed. And now, like, just holding a pen left handed now doesn't feel natural anymore. That's funny. You're just ambidex- ambidextrous. I hate that, that word. word. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, well, sorry. Well, that's probably why it didn't come out. <laughs> well, no, because I can't say it either. Oh, <laughs> I was an English major, and I can't say the word. Okay. Okay. But I do brush my teeth. I switch hands and I eat depending on like if there's somebody over here or somebody over here. So just uh double handed, double handed. Okay. There we go. I like yeah. it. Anyway, Easier. Yeah. <laughs> we sidetrack. Continue on your conversation. So anyway, yes. <laughs> when you got two ADD people, ADHD people talking, it's going to go on tangents, right? There's 27 episodes of that already out on the web. So I don't know what number <laughs> this one will be, but that's right. You're part of the club. Yeah. Um, well, I'm very happy to be part of the club. Thank you. Um, so back to where we were. So the harvesting, uh, so we, and this is kind of a strange topic to feel saying the word harvesting, but yes. Yeah. So you were talking about after they go into the the bones and they start going into the tendons and what was your role in all of that? So I, um, I was a processing technician, so I was hands-on, um, helping create the actual graphs really, and, um, eventually became a Sawyer too. And so, um, just to give you an idea of the process is, um, you know, you, you'd get a long bone like your femur Mm -hmm. and in the distal portions or the ends of the bone, there's cancellous bone matrix. And so that's what, um, we would create the graphs out of. Okay. And so, um, this is, I mean, it's going to be kind of a weird conversation from here, but, um, let's do it. What you do is you debreed the bones with a tool called an osteotome, which is basically just a sharp metal scraper. Okay. And so you, you know, any muscle or remaining tissue or anything you'd clean up and then, um, and then you'd hand the bone to the Sawyer and the Sawyer would cut, 
you know, um, various sizes of bone matrix from the distal portions and then, and then process the shafts as well. And then they would go to, um, the pulse lavage station, which is basically a hot water gun. And you would, um, blast out the fats and, um, blood and, yeah. and that the case. marrow and the, the yeah. Um, well, well, not in the middle, middle, middle be where the marrow is. So, so the matrix looks like a sponge basically. Gotcha. So it would be a, basically a dried sponge at, look, looking at this point and you're very you're porous. Yes. Cleaning. Yeah. Cleaning all the, the, the DNA and all that out of there until you have a white matrix and, and, um, I mean, depending on the donor's age, you know, you could see like changes in people's bones um, with donor age and stuff like that, which was kind of wild. Or, or you mentioned your dad had um, a really intense form of cancer, you know, um, health played a big factor in whether the matrix was good enough to transplant. Yeah, that's where he was at. He had, he had uh, metastasized uh, melanoma, whatever, it, basically in, in his bone marrow. Yeah. yeah. That's where it went. So that was, oh, he was not man. able to do that. Yeah. Yep. Pretty, pretty destroyed by then, I imagine. But yeah, because he was on, he did chemo and radiation for right at thirteen months, so oh. everything was broke down. Yeah, but uh, so after after that, um, you put it in hydrochloric acid, which takes the calcium out of the bone, and, yeah. uh, and then you really do have a bone sponge. sponge. Yeah, and you can look this up online. You can you know Google bone sponge and and see what they look like, but. Um, so a, a really, you know, to turn this like kind of tough conversation around and, and you know how it works, the trans, uh, mm-hmm. transplant. Um, but, uh, a big success story was there was a 13 year old boy who had MRSA in his lower leg and they were going to have to amputate from the knee down, but instead they tried, tra- you know, they put this bone graft in and it provided surface area for regrowth and um and it was osteoinductive so it it you know uh implemented growth and um and he got to keep his leg that's super so, awesome yeah yeah and and like you said we'd process tendons too so a lot of times what they put in the elbow is called uh it's your semi uh semi T tendon which actually comes out of your leg yes and uh so kind of neat to, to touch on that. I never want to see the videos of my surgeries uh, because they were so gnarly. Like I said, with that, between the elbow and the, and the Achilles, they were seriously mm-hmm. gnarly. Oh, we processed those too. That was crazy. I'm trying to remember if I actually have a cadaver. I think there may be part that they had to graft in because mine didn't traditionally an Achilles will tell, tear uh, uh, lengthwise. Horizontally, mm-hmm. mine tore vertically because of a bone mm-hmm. spur in my heel. Ooh. So I tore it and walked on it for two months and didn't know it was truly torn because it was a vertical tear. So I was like, ah, that doesn't feel right. Man, that hurts. Went to the doctor and okay, next ray, you didn't break anything. You, you know, you've got movement. All right, we're going to give you a shot. Mm-hmm. Man, it still hurts. And then they went and did the MRI and they were like, hey, guy. So tomorrow morning, <laughs> you're going to come in and we got to cut you open or else. Because it was at the point where it was about to start going all the way up vertically into yeah. the calf. And, oh, yeah. You don't want that. Mm-mm. And so they explained the surgery to me and I was like, don't want to see that one. Yeah. Something about they cut everything off they stitch it up and they take a ball peen hammer basically in a drywall screw and just beat it into your heel and then they have to reattach it and do the growth. So I think there, there probably was a little bit of cadaver in there, but yeah, not like full replacement. Okay. We're going left field on this conversation. Well, honestly, talking about this is totally bringing back memories of like, so I told you I was a Sawyer at one point yes. and it was like my shoulders were probably like 
higher than my ears in stress at that point of I my imagine. life. Because, um, you know, ugh, this sounds so weird because we're talking about human bones, but those bones are slippery. I'm sure. And and we were in we were in, you know, all, all we were in complete hazmat suits, like aseptic technique, like three layers of gloves inside like three layers of plexiglass, you know, like ten particle, you know, monitored rooms. Oh, I'm sure. And uh and those bones were so slick. And I ended up I actually cut halfway through this finger. Oh. Yeah. I got the willies. Oh the heebie jeebies when you said that. It was awful. It was like a split second and I didn't even get the bone or like I just got halfway through my, um, my tendon and, uh, ended up, you know, I needed, I got internal stitches. Actually, I still have them there, you know, yeah, they'll, that's a good they'll forever be in there, but I got a, a couple internal stitches and then, and then about six or seven, um, exterior. And after that, I was like, okay, I have to get back on there. Cause I wanted to prove to myself that I could like do it again right. and, and be brave and face my fears or whatever. But after like three to six months, it was somewhere in there. I was like, I'm done with the saw. And, and the reason I brought this up is because that I think was a turning point for me to, to go like music direction. Because during that whole time that I was working there, I was working at live from the divide, volunteering at live from the divide. And so I'd work, from six to three and then go into the divide at four till like midnight Okay, and then back to work at six. It was intense. Talk about serious stress right there. But when you're 23, you don't think. No, I'm good. I got this. <laughs> right. I slept for an hour and 46 minutes. We're great. Yeah. That's 45 more minutes than yesterday. I only got an hour and one minute last time. <laughs> Let's drink 17 Red Bulls and then go do it. <laughs> I'm completely healthy. I'm invincible. Yeah. Then you end up in your forties replacing your Achilles. Oh man, man. It's, it's amazing what we put ourselves through. <laughs> you said you were into sports and music. What sports were you? What was your sport of choice? You know, my favorite was volleyball, Okay, but I was more gifted, I guess, at basketball. You're tall. I could see that. <laughs> What, uh, so what, what about basketball and volleyball? What was it? Was it the teamwork? Was it the, I mean, volleyball is a very physical, they're both physical sports. Volleyball is an extremely physical sport. See, I think basketball is more physical than <sighs> volleyball because uh, uh, people are elbowing the crap out of you and pushing you and very true. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I'm just thinking about hitting the diving for the ball all the time and hitting the floor. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that. Well, there were, I mean, definitely, I think, I think I have some real creaky, uh, you know, residual aches from, from those years, but, uh, you know, they taught you how to do it in a way that supposedly wouldn't damage your body too much. They say that. And then 25 years later, they come back and say, well, those knee pads really weren't what you needed. And, and basketball, <laughs> you probably should have had on a face mask. Everyone should have worn one because you took 25 elbows to the head and you probably had a concussion. Yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah. Sports can be brutal. What got you into music? Um, you know, it's been kind of a funny journey. Um, I I was in choir for one year in high school, and I enjoyed it, but sports definitely took precedence. Took everything, right? Yeah, and then, uh, but I did pick up a guitar at fifteen and learn some chords from my local pastor, okay, um, Bob Coughlin. Bob Coughlin. Bob Coughlin. That sounds. 
I'm not saying this to sound mean, but that's a very, that's, he sounds like he should be a pastor. Bob Coughlin. (laughs) Bob Coughlin. Yeah, he's a good guy. Really good guy. And uh, so, you know, I played um, in church, the kind of the classic story. I played in church from 15 to 18. We'd do Christmas shows and. Nice. And, um, and then in college, uh, well, it was funny. When I was 17, I was like, I'm really going to dive into this. I'm going to learn everything I can, and I'm going to get good at music. I'm going to turn my focus to that instead of sports, because I did I did kind of have opportunities, um, opportunities <laughs> to um, play basketball, but I just was kind of done with the intensity of it gotcha. all. And, and so um, I was like going to turn my focus onto music. But then college happens, right? And, mm-hmm. and uh, the party and the boy, you know, boys and and uh, and then trying to keep up with your grades. And so I played a little bit through college, but not really. Right. Um, I did start writing, um, trying to write. And I can tell you right now, there's like not a song that exists from 19 to 23 for me. <laughs> Like I, Are you sure? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But uh, um, locked away in a vault somewhere. Yeah, I, I really don't. I the earliest song I can remember writing is is she's pretty. Okay, and that was 23 after a big college breakup. Everyone has one. Yep, and uh, I like to joke that that's that's what really got me into music is. Uh, um, that was kind of like the turning point. I start. That's when I started working, volunteering at the Divide, which eventually turned into a job, and um, and really starting to, you know, play out and right. And that's when the band formed and it all it all started happening. Yeah, pretty cool. So we said we were going to play some. No, oh, that's good. You're not a late. You're not a late bloomer to music. Ray Wiley didn't really get super serious till he was older. I mean, that's true. That's true. So we said we were going to do something off the the new album, but you mentioned the story behind She's Pretty. Do you want to play it? Yeah, yeah, sure, I will. Uh, There it is. Lost the capo. Because if you ever need a capo, I think there's like three different styles right next to you also. Wasting my time You've broken all the branches You've bent every rule Now I'm thinking you're thinking I'm standing around your fool She's pretty Pretty not me I'm pretty sure the taste in your mouth ain't bittersweet Getting along without you has been one of my hardest feats But you made your choice and like you said to me She's pretty 
Sticks and stones, broken bones You aim straight for my heart You're not the person I thought you were Now I don't know where to start You've shattered every window You've slammed every single door I can see now there's no going back anymore She's pretty Pretty not me I'm pretty sure the taste in your mouth ain't Bittersweet Getting along Without you has been one of my hardest feats But you made your choice And like you said to me She's pretty She's pretty, pretty not me I'm pretty sure the taste in your mouth ain't Bittersweet getting along without you Has been one of my hardest feats But you made your choice And like you said to me Oh, you made your choice, and like you said to me, she's pretty. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Agatha liked it too. <laughs> I wasn't sure who was who was crying for me. <laughs> it's one of the two of them over there, but they both liked it. That brilliant song. And that was your first one? Your first real song? Well, I mean, I think that the four, you know, 19 to 23 was the... The growth period. Writing everything that was... I mean, not... I, we're always growing, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's a finger-picking tune too. <sighs> <laughs> I can finger pick one note. Finger picking is tough. It it took me a long time and um and I still, you know, there's I have a friend who finger picks like Doc Watson and it's just like what? <laughs> That's like a whole nother ball. Yes, game. it is. Different, you know, like they're like playing rhythms on the back beat while carrying the front beat with their thumb and like playing a melody all at once. And it's a like, solo, it's insane. It's insane. 
It's insane. What's that Jason Eady song? Because uh, all he does, he, I don't think he owns a guitar pick. Gosh, his guitar playing is wicked, though. It's so cool. Lost My Mind in Carolina. Is that what it is? Oh, I think I, oh, man. you. Uh, I think that's the song. But if you ever watch the video of him playing that, the action that he's got going on, ugh, ridiculous. I'm going to do that as soon as we're done. Brilliant. <laughs> After we listen to Graham Parsons and Emily Harris. And I kind of want to show you um, Tommy Emmanuel playing Deep River Blues. Excellent. It's insane. <laughs> Is music a passion or an obsession for you? Oh, man. That's a good question. Um, man. Uh, both? Explain. I think uh no, actually passion. I would I would say oh man, this is a really hard question. Um when I was working at the studio, it was like 10 hours felt like 5 minutes. And when I was at the biomed company, 5 minutes felt like 10 hours. So I I could tell that I was much much more interested in music um, being at the forefront of my day. Right. And I think that passion for it has developed out of that um, because I grew up on a lot of, you know, uh, 90s pop country. Um, That's what my parents listened to. And uh, like names like Vince Gill. My mom is a huge Vince Gill fan. Um I really love Patty Loveless and um, brilliant. Yeah, and I found uh, Mary Chapin Carpenter's um, "Stones in the Road" album uh, when I was, gosh, maybe thirteen. Um, but I also, you know, could sing along with every Shania Twain record too, and um, and so when I got into that studio, it opened the whole world for me that there is so much music out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's impossible to keep up with really. You can't, you know, I don't care how big of a fan or a listener you are. You can't keep up with all of it. Right. It's an, it's incredible. And so, um, so my passion's grown in, I think I've seen, I mean, I've probably seen around three, somewhere between three and 400 shows at live from the divide. And that's crazy. In. It is kind of, um, I mean, it's been not in a negative way, eight years, right? No, it's been huge for my growth and helping me develop in, into, you know, the person I am today. Um, but, uh, so I think that my passion's grown with that, with learning more about it and, um, and, and, uh, and getting to see all these varieties and learn, you know, from so many people coming through and, um, and then, I mean, obsession, I don't, I actually don't, I mean, music, I would not be okay if music wasn't a part of my daily routine that I could say, but, um, I guess if I find like an artist or, a that that can, you know, that I'll have moments of obsession. <laughs> Healthy obsession. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for sharing. That's a question I ask every guest that comes on here because people, 
in general have a different opinion of what makes a passion versus an obsession. And I like to hear what, to me, that is more of a personal question than, um, who's your biggest influence? Mm -hmm. Who's your biggest influence and not a knock on anybody, but that's a tired question. But at the same time, it makes the passion versus obsession. I think it makes you think more about totally does. (laughs) Totally does. I was like, Whoa, that's a good one. (laughs) Thank you. I I love that one. (laughs) It's it's fun to learn those kind of things. So with you being on the road all the time, excuse me. So with you being on the road all the time, you don't uh, get to dive in and binge watch television like uh, so many people do right now. And you get your shows. For me, it's Peaky Blinders or <laughs> whatever that I, I, I Dexter, whatever is the flavor of the week. But you told me you got really heavy into Queen's Gambit. Yeah, that was before hitting the road. That was, gosh, that was like a year ago. But year, I, year and a half. yeah, yeah. I, um, Yes. I thought that the actress didn't, ins- you know, I can't, I can't think of her name right now, but the leading lady was stellar and she's only like 23. I've seen her in like two other things. Yeah. Have you? Oh man, just incredible. And I loved the storyline. I love that it had that, that man that she played with, you know, who taught her, who was this, you know, janitor of the orphanage and that nobody knew anything oh, about him. And he was the rough. Man, it's just like such a, it's so, it's so accurate to a lot of stories for people. Right. I think. True life. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it totally got me. So I told you that I used to play, um, chess in high school, not like on a team or anything, but with my little brothers. Right. And totally went back down that rabbit hole and bought a chess board. I have it in my car. Oh, if you want to play a game. I'm terrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, at first I had, you know, done like the whole app thing to get back into it. And I put it on expert and I have not ever won, but it taught me like a lot. Is there a novice level? I, th- I think so. That's where I need to start because it's been a long time <laughs> since I've played. I should have started there, but I just went to expert just mm-hmm. to see what would happen. And of course I got my world rocked. Jumped right in. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, Queen's Gambit was a good, a good series because that was a limited series. But yeah, the acting in that was superb. I mean, mm-hmm. really good. And it was different topic than what you're used to. Right. And it. Uh, you know, it's funny because so many people were like, now everybody's going to want to play chess. And it's, you know, there was kind of like an eye roll thing. And it's like, actually, if you stop and think about it, that's freaking awesome because it is a game that like you have to think. Critical and, thinking skills. And it was developed in Turkey as a war strategy. Uh huh. So, yeah, it teaches you so it's like. I was talking to a, a, another friend about it that it like teaches you so much about life too. You Patience, know? resolve, mm-hmm. structure, <laughs> not um, being greedy because a lot of times you don't even need to take a piece, even if you're set up to take a piece. Just like it behooves you to to actually not. <laughs> right. It's interesting. I think in today's society, because we're such an instant gratification culture now that things like that, good, teaches you patience. It teaches you all these life skills because it's a lot better than that death scroll that you do on the Instagram or the TikTok or whatever it is. Right. Because I'm just as guilty of it. I'm, I, I will get on there and like, I'm 
right now, both of us phones down, ringers <laughs> off because you, I have to do that or else I will catch myself grabbing for the phone just to, just mm-hmm. to have it, just to have the, the sensory, not even necessarily the looking at it, but just the feel, the touch, the, mm-hmm. I, I had hate to, that we do that. Oh, same. I had to turn off notifications on everything aside phone calls and text messages. Yep. Because I was going nuts. I was like, I can't keep up with this. This is constant. Like, it's attention. Yeah. And, um, and now, you know, at least you can, we can grab it on our own time. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. Game notifications. Terrible. (laughs) Yeah. I always get that. Do you want this app to allow notifications? No. (laughs) The worst one for me was words with friends and Yahtzee. Oh man, always good games all the time. I had to quit playing them because it was just like every, I looked at my screen time. This is probably two year, year and a half ago. And I realized that's a third of my day. I was like, no wonder I can't get anything done. Yeah. <sighs> yeah it And it can distract like, oh yeah, there's, I, I really enjoy tea and I can't tell you how many times that I will have left my tea on the counter and forgotten about it because I got distracted by something on my stupid phone, you know, <laughs> like that's just one example, but cooking too, or something, you know, yes. stuff that you should be totally focused on. <laughs> it's like it's terrible. And I, and like I said, I'm just as guilty. Uh, and I think back, I'm like, how did we do without, but we had conversations, we engaged, but at the same time, I want to grab my phone and go, let me fact check that or how to spell that. Or <laughs> Don't need it. It's a great luxury, but it's a crutch and I'm not a fan of it. I agree with you. <laughs> serious eye roll on that. <laughs> What's the one place in all the travels that you've got coming up that you're really looking forward to the most? You Not know, musically, just in life that you're going to get to travel to. I mean, definitely the Keys. I can't wait to be down there, especially since it's through the winter months. But um, also New Orleans. I've New never Orleans. been. And yeah, New Orleans. New Orleans. I just, I... I had a friend travel there. We actually, we became great friends because she worked at the biomed company with me and she's now, she's uh, getting her PhD. She's going to be a a doctor kicking butt. Yeah. But, uh, she traveled down there for, I think actually for something with the company we were working for. And when she came back and told me about it, I was like, I've got to get there. And there's a lot of haunted stuff down there. Yes, there is. A lot. Like the whole town, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> I need to make that trek again. I want to say very short stint there many, many years ago when I was younger. Never really truly dug into the French Quarter and all the history. I want to say I've got family that lives in the French Quarter. I really need to go see them, but mm-hmm. quit yep. procrastinating over it. You might be able to swing through there on your way to the key. <sighs> Maybe I don't know. We're, we're keeping a pretty tight schedule on the way down there. We'll see. Okay. That's a we'll see. Because I know on the way, the way up there, we don't have as much of a time crunch on the way back. It's like haul, haul, because we've got day job to get back to. Because yeah. we're taking a lot of time off for that. But oh, New Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, I want to go travel wise. I would love to go spend time in the Pacific Northwest. I've never been up there. Mm. Like true Pacific Northwest. I'm talking about, you know, Northern Oregon, like Washington, Washington state, not like Puget Sound, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like really be up there. San Juan Islands. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. 
I also want to do the tour of the Goonies homes from the movie The Goonies. They do oh. a tour of the homes. The Wait, where is that? It's it's a coastal Oregon, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I want to do that too. It's one of those things like I found doom scrolling on my phone and it was like a tour where you can go doom scrolling. I love it. Uh, Mike Valier told me that one. Doom scroll. <laughs> he's uh, full of those. Oh, he's great. <laughs> my, I'll tell you my Mike Valier story off, off Mike. Oh, okay. How we met. It was very comical. We, we don't tell it on air because anyway, it's but one of uh, them special ones, one of them special ones. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and it was like you get to tour all the houses, including like the restaurant that was like the hidden entrance into, you know, the whatever Chester Copper Pots thing down yeah. there. Yeah. I'm fascinated by that. Did you see that uh, their Airbnb, the home from Home Alone? No. Wow. Like you can rent it out. That's cool. Where, when, where's that one located? Is uh, that up there too? Uh huh. I don't know. I oh. just saw it, but it's complete with booby traps and all. I just would you stay there? Would you? Damn right. Oh man. Sober. Yes. <laughs> well, they probably have them so they can't actually hurt anybody because they'd be in big trouble, right? How many of those things should have killed them? I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. Hot Wheels down the staircase? Dead. You know. Electrocution? It sounds like you have a plan to get up there. Yeah. This, this, they can't do that then. They can't. Nah, I didn't read into it that much, but I just saw it's on the Airbnb and I was like, yes. And I do have a plan to get up there. It's just time. Yeah. Which we all talk about. I need time. Time, money. Those are important things to have when you travel. Vacation days. (laughs) It's great. Mercedes, I want to tell you, thank you. We've been sitting here for the better part of an hour and a half, just shooting the shit, basically telling stories back and forth. It's the entire premise behind the show, off mic conversations. I was always asked for the 13 years that I did production for the live show when we'd go to commercial break. Hey, what do you guys talk about? Not a damn thing, because we're just playing catch up. There's no, there's no. I think people, some people, I say some people, some people have a misconception of what goes on backstage or in musicians' lives or people who are in the industry. It's not as glamorous rock star motley crew-esque as people think we're just we're normal people just playing catch up hey how was dinner hey did you see they have air-conditioned restrooms at this uh, festival in the middle of july hell yeah <laughs> the kind of stuff we're talking about and so that's what formed the uh off mic conversations i wanted it to feel a genuine conversation like you were in the room getting to know somebody so i want to tell you thank you for coming and visiting with me oh uh, thank you for having me absolutely the second half is off the record my fascination music nerdism is discovering new music and new music to me, not new music to the cosmos or the universe. Mm -hmm. And the way I like to consume music is a setting like this, whether it's after show jams in a green room where it's somebody's living room around a campfire. And I get to hear the songwriter's songs Mm -hmm. the way it was meant to be written. No production value, no uh, auto tune, no blending like actual, the real way of doing it. And, I always ask the guest to close me out with a song that has not been released. Maybe it's a song that's in the back of the songwriter's notebook, the bottom of the guitar case, and it keeps coming up. It's that song that's stuck with them. They've never found a project for it. They may have full intention of releasing it, but it's not there yet. And I would say, what is that one for you? Well, we talked a little earlier. Uh, you wanted to hear stars. I can, or you can, I threw the curveball, your choice. Mm. Dealer's choice. 
You know, uh, I'd like to play stars. Um, So I wrote this one with Adam Oder, actually. And he had sent the a better half of the lyrics um the first verse and chorus framed up framework yeah and i um man i just i thought it was so good but i i didn't have anything when he initially sent it i just kind of was like oh well that's that's sweet you know maybe something will come of that at some point and actually at the beginning of the pandemic when i was at my best friend's house with her and her husband who'd hurt his back, who'd been coming up the stairs for Willits. For Willits to yell at you about the Willits whiskey. Don't drink on my Willits. That's right. That's right. And uh, helping um, care for their four month old boy. Um, this, he was napping and I thought I need to work on something. And this ended up coming out and it's developed since then um, with, with different, you know, musical additions, but um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a big song to me. Um, it was actually, it was, the, I think it, I wrote it or finished writing it the day that, um, John Prine passed away. So that's kind of another universal sign, you know, there's these things that music is magic. cried out a whisper I've bled from a shout I've fallen in love more times than I have fallen out but the wounds will always heal and the sun will always set and the ache of a teardrop should wash away all regrets so I'll look at an evening not dwell on the pain because love is not the darkness it's the stars that remain I've grasped at a dream I've tripped on a cloud I followed love's compass just to be let down, but the cracks will always seal, and the moon will always rise, and the calm of a midnight sky will slake the bloodshot from my eyes. So I'll look at an evening, not dwell. On the pain Because love Is not the darkness It's the stars That remain Darkness 
It's the stars that remain. Oh, I'll look at an evening that dwell on the pain because love is not the darkness. It's the stars that remain. That's really good. Thank you. <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> Man, two finger picking songs, and you said you're still working on it. Uh huh. <laughs> you well, seem that... pretty proficient. <laughs> Not even, but thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm happy with that song, and and uh, you know that was really cool of Adam to to send you know what he had had, and and it. I think it really like just shot forward inspiration for it. And, and like I said, a lot of that developed later on that extra, um, you know, kind of the intro and outro yeah. sort of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, really like it. Thank you. MercedesCarroll.com. We can find you your two albums. She's pretty volume one and two are out on Spotify, Apple, Google, Blah, doo, 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 everywhere that you consume music. So please check her out. Also, you can find the tour schedule online at mercediscarol.com. So stop by, say hello. Um, stop by and purchase a vinyl or merchandise wherever she's at. Say hi. Enjoy the uh, time. Thank you again for coming to visit. Thank you very much. Uh, and I think until I think that's going to do it. All right. Until next time, friends, Aaron Bentley, off mic, off the record. Adios. Off Mic, Off the Record is a Blacktop Poetry production. For more insight into your favorite independent artists and all things behind the scenes and in between, visit blacktoppoetry.com. Our theme is provided by Austin Upchurch. Go check him out at austinupchurch.com. I'm your host, Aaron Bentley. And if you made it this far, you're either really bored or you fell asleep. Either way, thank you for your support, and I'll catch you next time. Adios. It's gonna be okay.